0: Coffee with Colby, episode 4. Let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to today's episode of Coffee with Colby. It's a show about helping you put your best foot forward on your professional path and preparing you for the challenges that crop up in the workplace, also balancing your career and your personal life. It's all the stuff you need to know that they didn't teach you in school. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Colby Reed, and this is my show. In today's episode, we're talking about criticism and how to give constructive feedback. I've got two examples I'm going to share with you guys today on how to give effective feedback, also how not to give effective feedback, and I have some tips to make the process feel more fluid. So, I'm curious. Do you know what sound a stapler makes when it's hurled across an office and into a wall in a fit of rage? I do! Have you ever had a boss yell at you for so long that you had to go out into the parking lot for an hour because it was the only place where you could cry and no one would see? I have! See, when I was much younger, I worked for a really, really crappy boss. For anonymity's sake, I'm going to call him Tom. To this day, I'm not quite sure what Tom's problem was. He was an older guy, he'd been in our business for a while, he was great on the technical side. A really incredible storyteller. But when it came to managing people, he needed work. And Las Vegas has an expensive light bill. Let me give you an example of how Tom would operate. Now, at this company, I was part of a very small team. There were, I think, three of us with maybe two or three part-time contractors that would pitch in here or there. So it wasn't really hard to get to know us. Tom gets hired to be our new boss and does nothing to introduce himself. My first real introduction to him was a four-page memo outlining all the new policy changes he wanted to implement right then and there. Literally, I had not yet had a conversation with the guy. Tom also didn't get along very well with technology. He came up in the times of typewriters and carbon paper, so computers and the internet left him really frustrated, which is understandable. But he would take that frustration out on the office equipment and the staff. I would hear him every day in his office trying to work, getting frustrated, and then cursing very loudly and throwing office supplies across the room. He would literally huck his stapler against the wall, rulers, pens. It was creepy. Now, there is a lot to unpack with Tom, and I'm going to talk through some key interactions with him in greater detail in future episodes, but there's one conversation that is directly relevant to today's topic. One day, I walk into work, Tom calls me into his office before I can even put my bag down, and just starts reaming me. I mean, berating me, pacing the floor, foaming at the mouth, cursing. It was like if Ben Affleck in Boiler Room, Alec Baldwin in Glengarry Glen Ross, and the editor in Spider-Man all got together and had a baby, and that baby was a temperamental old man. So why was he so upset? Apparently, there were several minor issues he had with my performance that had been building up over time. The way I had been formatting some of my work, rumors he had heard about my performance and things I was saying around the office that of course weren't true, and... This is the kicker, the fact that I had missed work on the Friday before. Now, I had missed work the Friday before because I had been in the hospital, because I had covered for a colleague while I was sick, developed a severe throat infection, and was suffering severe dehydration. All of this I had communicated via an all-staff email on Friday, of course, but he didn't bother to read that. Again, there's a lot that we're going to talk about with good old Tom in the coming weeks and months. But today's episode, I want to focus strictly on the subject of feedback. I feel bad for Tom because he really didn't understand How to deliver feedback in a constructive way. He had been seeing things in my work over time that he didn't like and he wanted to correct, but he didn't know how to share them in a way that would actually be effective. So these annoyances just built and built and built until they exploded in a way that made him look like a complete jerk and led to a series of delightful meetings with HR. But Tom's not alone. See, in the American workplace, We hate giving feedback. The folks at Training Journal recently shared some data from an executive training course they were running with about 500 participants. Now, more than half of these senior leaders, so people who have worked their way to the very top of the food chain, they've been around the block half a dozen times, more than half of these leaders would avoid giving critical feedback to their team members or they would downplay their position in order to soften the critique. I find this baffling, but in kind of a perverse, twisted way, I can also see some of the reasons why this happens. We don't want to be perceived as a jerk boss. We don't want to be perceived as a troublemaker if we're not the direct manager in charge. We want to avoid conflict. There's a small part of us that thinks, what if we're wrong in saying this is then perceived as us being out of line? We don't want the person we're giving the feedback to be mad or upset at us. Unfortunately, telling someone you don't like what they're doing or that you want them to do something different is just a critical part of a functional workplace. It's literally impossible for everyone to come into work and know how to do everything right off the bat. So it's up to leaders in the workplace to step up and help guide their colleagues appropriately. I'm not suggesting that we all become Dwight Schrute here and try to dictate when Jim is able to take his coffee break, but we have to be able to give appropriate correction from time to time. Now, if you're a manager or a team leader, it's part of your job description. You set the strategy, you set the pace, you set the expectations, and you have to be the one to help your team members understand when they're off the rails. If you're a new professional, or even just not a manager on your team, you still have to be able to give quality feedback, whether you're telling your manager about a challenge you're having or asking a colleague to knock it off with the daily tuna melts in the staff kitchen. And in today's workplace, younger employees are actually hungry for that kind of feedback. According to a recent study by Gallup, we were raised in a world where every quiz and homework assignment came with a gold star... ...or corrections to improve the next time. If we're not hitting the mark, we need to know why and how to fix it as quickly as possible. It's like a compulsion. Yes, there are some instances where you run into a power-hungry tyrant who nitpicks you on everything you do... ...but for the most part, constructive feedback is about helping you look better in the workplace... ...and helping your team look and perform better as a whole. The good news is, giving constructive feedback, even in the most tense of situations... ...can be really easy if you follow a simple formula... Let me give you an example. Years after Tom's meltdown, I found myself in a position as a team lead. I was working with a guy I'm going to call Donnie. Now, Donnie was a really nice guy. He was talented, he was smart, he could be funny. Our personalities didn't align very well, but objectively, I can say he was a decent human being. Now, Donnie had two challenges. For one, he was a little entitled. See, Donnie and I are the same age, but I came into the company after Donnie and was a step below him on the corporate ladder to start. But over the course of a couple years, I was able to climb up to Donnie's level and then pass him and ultimately was in a position where I was managing his daily work. I wasn't his boss. I couldn't fire him or give him a raise, but I was responsible for telling him what to do day to day. Donnie didn't like this because he believed that seniority was the trump card and he should always be ahead of me because he started with the company first. That was the key separator for Donnie and I. We were both good at our jobs, but I gave a little extra every day, and that helped move me up the chain more quickly. Here's an example. We worked in roles that could be high stress. There were plenty of days we had to show up early, stay late, and eat our lunch at our desk. I understood this. Didn't give it a second thought. I love the work. It's why I was there. Donnie actually had the nerve one day to pull out the Oregon worker's handbook and demand his 15-minute breaks and 30-minute lunch that he was legally entitled to because he was working an eight-hour shift. He then walked away from his desk to go read a book while the rest of us were hard at work. So there was a little friction between us, and our team started to notice that some of Donnie's work wasn't hitting the mark wasn't anything catastrophic, but it was little things. It was things like we'd be at a key deadline and he wouldn't have a piece written that our bosses needed or he wouldn't contribute to a brainstorm. Nothing worth firing someone over, but definitely something that needed to be addressed. And a lot of my colleagues were starting to get upset about it. They were grumbling, complaining about his efforts. But as much as I wanted to join in that grumble party... There was part of me that knew there had to be another approach. I pulled on my mantra. Everyone here wants to do a good job. Everyone's showing up at work wanting to do their best. So I knew there had to be a way to get through to him and figure out why he wasn't performing. I spent a week quietly observing his workflow, what he did, when he did it, how he did it, and just took notes. Then I booked a meeting with him and our direct supervisor, the one who could hire, fire, give raises, promotions, and whatnot. I knew he was going to resist my authority, so I wanted to have backup, and I also wanted to have a witness to document exactly what I said and how I said it. I started the conversation by stressing how much I value his work and contributions. I didn't lay it on with a trowel. I wanted to be authentic, but I also wanted him to be clear that I knew he was good at his work and he was capable of doing great things. Then I told him that I was concerned because I was seeing work slip through the cracks, and I listed specific examples. For example, last week, two of your write-ups missed our distribution deadline. We had an all-hands brainstorm, and you wouldn't take your eyes off your phone or contribute. I had to ask you four times over the last week for a specific write-up that you were working on. I then went on to share my observation that other activities might be getting in the way. I walked past his desk six times over two days and saw he was on his personal social media accounts. He was supposed to be in the office by 8.30 and I wouldn't see him at his desk until after 9. Things that I could see were directly distracting from his work. Then I told him that we were going to try a different approach because I know the great work that he's capable of. And frankly, I needed that work. The team needed that work. I outlined some specific measurable actions that I wanted to see him take, providing me with progress reports on his work throughout the day, verbal check-ins once or twice a day on where he was at, uh, things that allowed him autonomy to continue working on his own rhythm, but ensuring that I had visibility into his work. It was funny. He really didn't like a minute of that meeting. You could tell, but you could also feel his energy shift as we went along. I didn't yell, I didn't scream, I wasn't confrontational, I didn't call him names. There was a problem and he knew it and I wanted I wanted to help us address the problem together as a team. I am happy to report that Donnie immediately made a shift in his efforts in our office, like overnight. It was amazing. He started hitting all of his deadlines again. The quality of his work improved. He was happier, and that brought better energy to the team. And as we proceeded, I made sure to call out when I was seeing improvement, so he knew not only were his efforts and work appreciated, but also he could see this is what I need to be replicating, not this other pattern of behavior. So after all of this, what are the secrets to providing feedback? they're really simple. Step one is to remember, don't get emotional. Remember, everyone is at work to do a good job. If you're correcting someone, odds are that it's because they honestly don't know they're doing something wrong. They're not trying to cause problems. They just don't realize that they're, they're missing the mark. Step two is to let your teammate know that you value them and give them examples of why you value them and what their good work looks like. If possible, you should be pointing out work that they've done that does hit the mark and you want them to replicate that. Underscore that this is what we want to see. Step three is to call out specific examples of the issue. Do not, do not, do not, I cannot stress this enough, do not Use vague phrases like your writing isn't punchy enough or you aren't being a team player. Be specific. Give them something that they can actually address. Your last four reports have had critical typos in them, so I feel like you're rushing and not taking time to carefully review your data. Step four is to present a solution. Don't just tell your team member to figure it out on their own. Bring ideas to the table for how to address the issue. This underscores the fact that this is a team effort, that you believe in them and you're on their side. In the case of typos in a report, do you need more time to put in an extra review of the report? Do we need to clear some time off of your schedule during reporting weeks so that you can address an extra review cycle? Step five is to underscore that this is a team effort, that you appreciate that they have listened and you are looking forward to seeing better results. This feels hokey, but it is reinforcing that you believe in them and you want them on your team. No one wants to feel like the problem child. And finally, step six, again, monitor and provide quick feedback immediately after. If they're hitting the new mark you set them, tell them. Make sure they know you appreciate the effort. And if they're not hitting the mark, tell them right away. Wrapping up here, great leaders know how to give feedback in a way that lifts up their team while bad managers yell, scream, and throw staplers. If it helps, practice the conversation a few times with a colleague or a friend. Saying the words out loud is super helpful to get out the nerves of the situation, but Don't be afraid to speak up at all. As a manner of epilogue, I do want to share that Donnie continued to improve, ultimately took over my role when I moved on to a new company. He's been recruited by the organizations, we're still good friends, when we uh, easily could have been adversaries. Sadly, Tom was not as fortunate. After this blow-up, I left the company within a month. He was fired about six months later, and I haven't heard much from him since. and that's it for episode 4 episode 5 will be coming at you before you know it Uh, again if you have thoughts on the show would love for you to hit me up on twitter at Colby Reed that's C-O-L-B-Y-R-E-A-D-E in the meantime thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time